Welcome to the Supported Living Property Podcast with your host, me, Lisa Brown, the place to learn about supported living property investing. In this episode, Carol Smith shares her experience as an occupational therapist. She explains how occupational therapists are important to supported living schemes, discusses adaptations to property and why she believes older people are an important group of tenants that landlords can often overlook. Hi, Carol. It's great to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Yes. Good. Good. Yeah. That's great. For, for people who don't know you, Carol, do you want to introduce yourself? Um, my name's Carol Smith and I'm an independent occupational therapist and I have been doing that all my life. <laughs> um, lots of people don't know what occupational therapy is. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say that. So, t- so tell us what an occupational therapist is, Carol. <laughs> Which is actually the worst question in the whole world, <laughs> especially at the beginning. <laughs> it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's, and it, I think that's why there's such misunderstood, you know, why they're so misunderstood, because it's such a an all-encompassing title, isn't it, really? so It just, is. Yeah. Occupational. People think about work. Well, it's, it can be about work, but it's generally, they call it a human, a human occupation. So it's all the things that we do in our lives, really small things um, to really big things um, that we take for granted and uh, granted. And then if something happens to us, um, we can't do them. Um, and this can be absolutely anything in our lives. So it could be um like a mental health issue like depression or it could be we've had a stroke um anything can happen and then for some reason we can't we have we may need to relearn or we may need to um, rethink how we do things and that's what the skill of an occupational therapist is we have medical training so both in psychiatry as well as in uh, physical um medical learning about medical conditions and you that that alongside sort of an in what we call we look at what we call the activities of daily living so we look at how people are managing getting in and out of the bath how they're managing to cook you know how they're managing to get out of bed even in the mornings which could be a hundred reasons why you're having difficulty doing that um and then we work together with that person to try and find solutions so bizarrely, you can find us everywhere. You can find us in neonatal units with small babies. You know, you can buy. You can find us in uh, educational establishments. Obviously, hospitals. The majority of what of, of, of OTs, occupational mm-hmm. therapists, are in the hospital. And then um, people like me have uh, gone out into the community. All my life, I've worked in the community. I started off in mental health, and then I. This was before community care a long time ago and I wanted to work in the community with within mental health setting but they didn't have such a thing then so um that's how that's how I started and then I just really really loved it really really loved visiting people in their homes and working with them to find ways of becoming more independent and when we were chatting, I mean, obviously, occupational therapists are integral to a lot of supported living setups and a lot of, you know, making sure people have got adaptations and things to suit their needs and helping making sure that the schemes are done right for people. But when we were talking on the phone, you talked to me about being a housing OT. And that was something I hadn't even heard of that title. And I, so so tell us a bit more about that. What does what does that role entail? 
So it's a gay, it's quite a generalised uh, word, in fact, really, but you can, housing and housing associations, housing, count, local council housing departments employ occupational therapists. Not many, but not all of them, and not many, but they do. And um, we are unique, it's a, it's a unique position to find us in a housing, because obviously a lot of people, like most houses, are, have been built already <laughs> you know there's not new housing is a small aspect um and so we need to the councils need to relook at their stock to see whether or not we can adapt because the need is that disabled people or people with difficulties need adaptations so we you find you would find us to work alongside the surveyors to do just general housing adaptations but then you can you'll find us looking at the stock, the housing stock, to see if we can actually adapt that to, to to suit the people who are on our waiting list. We'll then match people depending on because of disability is so range. I mean, disability could be anything. It certainly isn't just wheelchair users, and that's mm. another sort of misconception. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, most people are not in wheelchairs who are disabled. Mm. So it's matching what properties there are with people. And then there's working alongside planners for new build and just sort of just, obviously there are already legislations in, in place and building regulations, but it's tweaking those and working with people like fire, you know, fire officers and thinking, because there are so many issues, there are conflicting things to think about for example fire doors you know somebody with who's who's weak can't open a fire door a fire door yeah and they no, it takes a lot of strength even, doesn't it to pull yeah, yeah exactly so yeah. there is work it's thinking about that detail before the problem arises so um, yeah it's a really really interesting role in the health and a really important role and I can imagine implemented well saves actually quite a lot of money but like you're saying the exactly. thinking ahead and getting things but it's a proactive role isn't it which unfortunately a lot of those proactive roles are not being funded terribly well exactly. but yeah exactly yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and so you touched a little bit on adaptations there and obviously that's um, that's my experience of working with OTs in property is, is helping me to understand the adaptations that individuals need and, and the sort of things that we need to do to a property to make it meet someone's needs do you want to talk a little bit more about adaptations there carol and tell us a bit more about well, i think the majority of adaptations has to be said in bathrooms i have spent a lot of my life in people's bathrooms <laughs> <laughs> and i mean things have changed a lot over the years um and so i think wet rooms are now actually fashionable and um nice mm. and i mean i think that's the other thing that we when you work for a local authority, you're talking about cost mm -hmm. mainly and um, design has never come into it. But actually now we're in a, the future now where actually design doesn't cost money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the importance to make something look nice, I think, is really, um, yeah, it's really, it's really important. A lot of people actually reject wanting adaptations because they don't want their bathrooms or kitchens or front rooms looking like a hospital mm. and so um it's a adaptations is about really working with somebody and finding out what it is they want 
mm. in their lives and how they want to continue doing an activity mm. uh, and trying to work out how to do that within the guidelines. Mm. So we could be looking at widening doors, you know, we can um, front access, whether or not, to, you know, ramps, ramps, nothing simple. <laughs> ramps are not simple. Ramps are really difficult to use if you have a mobility problem. Mm. They're very easy to use if you're in a wheelchair. You know, they're also easy to use if you are a parent <laughs> who's, who's using a buggy. You know, it's, um, it's, and it's the same with um, having a seat in the shower. You know, it's about that word future-proofing is coming into our vocabulary a lot now. It so is, and people talk about it, don't they? Do you want to, you want to talk a little bit about what that means? What so it's just, I was just thinking, going to add about, you know, a black ramp and mm. a mother with a buggy would find that ramp really helpful. Also having like a seat in the shower. You know, have, if you a mum with a bad back, you know, or all of us get bad backs when we become mothers, mm-hmm. um, you know, putting a child on a seat while they're showering is actually, you know, it's actually something that actually it's generational is completely it makes that house generation proof. Like, mm-hmm. so I guess that's what the, the, the word of future proof It's just sort of thinking ahead about design. If you're putting in a shower like a wet room perhaps before you do it think about putting a backing in so that you could attach something to the wall later on it's just that that sort of little detail in the design and planning of 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 making properties future the future for everybody Mm. so that granny can come back to and live with you if that's what you want yeah or you know and, and as landlords and property owners, you know, if you if you're developing, if you're doing a bathroom to do that, yeah, currently your tenant might be young professionals, and you might think that's who's going to be in there. But actually, one of those young professionals might be disabled, or you might be approached by an older person who wants that property. Or being able to put that that seat into that shower, into that lovely wet room that you've designed really easily, actually doesn't yeah. cost very much, and could mean that you then have a tenant for a long time if you've adapted it to meet their needs. You know, it can. exactly. I think that renting is, is, is definitely an option for people. And I, I talk about it a lot with my client group. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah because then particularly if you're getting older, um, you know, you might want to use the capital for one, mm. you know, um, and then you've got no maintenance worries. Mm. You know, a lot of when you talk to older people about what their worries are, they're often living in large properties the family home they're Mm. still living in the family home they realize that it's not maybe suitable for them in the long term it may be on a hill it could be you know loads of steps going up to it um and but it's like managing the garden it's Mm. you know what to do with their belongings you know that they don't need anymore Mm. it's um yeah the, the the uh what to do if something happens to the roof and how can how can they afford that yeah. you know when the capital is in their home mm-hmm. so i think for people actually renting the other thing is what to do with you know to prepare so that your family doesn't get left with a huge problem when you die mm-hmm. you know so actually by moving to a smaller property or right sizing people can actually do that before you know 
with their family they might even get a lot of fun out of clearing out their property with the family Uh, I like that word right sizing I've not heard that before I've only ever heard downsizing and I take it you're meaning a property that fits is the right fit for them is that what you mean by right exactly and I think downsizing is a little bit negative yeah I think that's the the most important thing I'm finding with my job is is that the the last move actually can be and should be a very positive one Mm. it's the next chapter in our lives while we generally all of us want to look forward to the future Mm -hmm. but if you're feeling that you're it's all getting down it's all just overwhelming Mm. then you can't look at something as a positive in a positive way no no not uh, at all that's it's really helpful if we can Yeah. you know think about that for the future nobody nobody wants to end up in that hospital bed having had something happened and somebody's telling them they can't go home mm-hmm. you know that's that must be the worst scenario yeah you know, for people that they can't go home and so really if they have either thought about it or they're living somewhere where they know that's not going to happen mm. you know that has to be good yeah yeah absolutely it makes perfect sense really um I think obviously when when we're looking at adaptations and changes to properties and things and that often people are really concerned about budget and you know you touched on the fact that you know design you know there are beautiful options now for a lot of the adaptations they're not cheap are they some of them I mean I've looked at some of them yeah you think gosh that's beautiful but actually the budget for some of these things is terrifying how do you balance that kind of that that debate between kind of the the cost of things and and you know and people's needs and and how do you that's a difficult that's a, well actually it's been very freeing because I've spent nearly all of my life working for a public sector mm. to actually be independent without <laughs> worry is actually yeah. <laughs> freeing and actually you can be a little bit more inventive mm. but I think I think the actual basics I think I think is more to do with I don't know how to answer that question actually yeah Yeah, I think I I um yeah things people don't want to do things but um because of budget it Mm. is a very very scary Mm. thing you know when you have you don't you know we all want to be careful with our budget Mm. when we're doing making adaptations Mm. actually just with the detail and it doesn't actually have to cost much money. I think you just need the right person with you the right to, to do it. And that, that, very, that very often is the right builder. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that you can get a bit bamboozled with these large organisations, um, large that say, oh, like, oh, yes, and what you need is a jacuzzi bath. Or, a, you know, it's actually just thinking about what your basic needs are mm-hmm. and how and when to use when to splash out on something you know bathing is a really great example of that Mm. um a lot of people don't want to remove their bath and have a shower a lot of older people particularly don't want to remove their bath Mm. but so there are other alternatives Mm. there are out there that that actually are much cheaper and and that can be a whole range of disabilities, kind of not just older people. I know quite a lot of people learning disabilities love a bath. You know, it's, it's something they enjoy and they're really adamant they want to maintain a bath in their bathroom. Absolutely. Um, so you're saying there are things that can be put in to help you yeah, yeah. maintain that. 
Yeah. And there are expensive alternatives, mm. which sometimes actually will cost the same as a shower. You know, mm. you know, that's when you have to sort of you can you can just work out. Mm. You don't you don't want something people are making you have. And you could actually have a flashy bath that actually can do things for you to help you get in independently. Mm. And it's the same price, you know, or cheaper. Mm. So it is just worth doing the maths. It's always it's always worth doing the maths it about does. what you want to achieve mm. and how to get about doing it. Because and like everything in life, there's a cost. We generally you can find something for your budget. Yeah. You know. And I think it's also looking at the bigger picture, isn't it? That actually having the right adaptations might mean that you can have a bath independently in a way that if you didn't have that right adaptation, you may end up needing someone to give you some assistance. And then you're looking at the cost of that, that staffing cost, whether that's from a private situation or from a publicly funded situation, building that case for actually the, the adaptations leading to independence and reduced staff costs can be. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, my, one of my very first um, clients actually I moved from a four-bedroom townhouse to a two-bedroom retirement flat. Mm. And this woman had to, I, she was living on the, on, on the floor where the kitchen was. And um, she had stairs to go up to the bathroom, stairs to go down to the bedroom. There were stairs everywhere, these townhouses. Of course, yeah, often yeah, many layers. There, yeah. there are stairs everywhere. Yeah. And so she was dependent on carers to come in because she, with her bed, the living room, kitchen, she had a commode. So mm. she had to, she was dependent on living mm. with this commode mm. in the bedroom. Um, so she needed three carers a day. And as soon as we moved, she didn't need the commode. <laughs> and she was just so so happy Not so much better for her and yeah absolutely for her and she could just walk the paces it needed to do just yeah on the flat to the Fantastic. toilet it That's was just brilliant fun. it was yeah. just fun. and you just think of the cost of that mm-hmm. for her yes she yeah. was paying for the carers yeah. you know yeah and also I mean, the carers to do nice other things yeah you know, and family to do other things with yeah. you when you don't need no care. no so yeah. much nicer all round absolutely um do you have any advice for sort of property investors or people looking to work with occupational therapists and care you know that's something a lot of property investors are a bit scared about oh, there's adaptations needed how do I find out about them how do I talk to people how do I you know how do I kind of understand what I need to do to this property to meet someone's needs do you have any advice there I think it is I think it is really it is scary really scary I think that's what I mean I meet occupational therapists who say children <laughs> couldn't work with them you know and it's just like and so it's like understanding how people would feel about you know disability because there's all this legislation it's confusing um so I think don't be afraid to get advice mm-hmm. you know you can go through ARCOT the Royal College of Occupational Therapy they have an independent um, practitioner directory um, there are things like the Disabled Living Foundation. There's um, and there's I don't I don't know that it would be terrible to ask a council really. No, but, exactly. Yeah. If the referral, you know, if the if the person's been publicly funded for the adaptations and for the staffing app, I was going to say absolutely asking their social worker, their own OT, you know, getting involved. I guess it's it's having having the conversations with people, isn't it? And I think as as property people, quite often people are scared about asking the stupid question. 
I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to ask that. I might offend someone if I ask that question. Yeah. But actually just being honest and just saying in, if you're phrasing it in the right way, I guess, and just Mm -hmm. saying, actually, I I don't understand. Tell me, help me to understand what's needed. Actually not being scared of having those conversations with the professionals or the individual or their family member, I think, you know, exactly. it's, it's really important. Exactly. It's really important to ask people what they want. Mm. Um, but also um, there are things out there. There are grant. There is a disabled facility grant mm. out there mm. for individuals. And again, I think if landlords are getting in, involved in the process of, because it's their property, mm. very often you get tenancies where that's where the, the landlords say, well, as soon as you leave, I want this out, you know, and that's part of the tenancy. And I've got rails out. I've had to, and it's just like, feels really sad mm. to actually take things out that are really useful for anybody. Yeah. You know, a little kid going upstairs, holding onto a rail, you know, is yeah. really nice. You know, or, not- or other, you know, there's such a need for, for adapted properties in the private rental sector, isn't there? That actually, you know, those don't, don't just, presume that because that tenant's left that you're not going to be able to fill it with someone else who's got yes. some mobility need or something else yes. actually there, there is a really big need for the properties and therefore to- getting involved in the design isn't just it's not just about dis- the di- design isn't just about disability if you can make a design that looks nice like I say mm. you know wet rooms are fashionable now people mm. prefer wet rooms yeah. lots yeah. of people don't really want a bath young mm. younger people don't I can't remember the last time I had a bath, I have to say. Um, and so, a, you know, a wet room is actually better. So if, actually, if you get into, involved in the design and just not leave it to mm. the surveyors and the occupational therapists, you know, then and then you might actually realise that you, you don't need, that it actually is nothing to be afraid of. Mm. And it's the same with um, rails outside. You know, often landlords will say, I don't, I don't want that rail. I don't want that rail, you know, because it looks horrible. Mm. Well, you don't, it doesn't have to look horrible. Yeah. You can get lovely rails. You just, mm. those horrible galvanized rails are not nice. Mm. And, and obviously people feel it's, it speaks disability and therefore they're more vulnerable having mm. them. So, yeah. so that, you know, again, it's a conversation about, well, could we get a nice rail, mm. you know, can do, or actually that rail could actually, um, be put where the rubbish is so actually it's you can actually work something out so that the rubbish is sort of contained out the way you know and the rail could be useful mm. you know it could have it could have more than one purpose mm. so, yeah Those absolutely and I think as as property people we're often good at looking at buildings looking at what to do with them being a bit creative with budgets and trying to make something look very beautiful with not a lot of budget and actually just extending that part of your brain to looking at the the adaptations that can be put in a property too I think it can be really powerful you know it's just it's just thinking sideways a little bit isn't it I think yeah yeah thank you Carol grants are definitely worth you know definitely worth investigating and if somebody comes if the tenants comes to you and say you know someone who's mentioned this disabled facility grant you know it's worth taking it really is you can access it i'll put the links in the show notes to some some information i've got about that and some of the stuff that you've talked about as well carol will put some links into those those sources of information that you were talking about about the the college of ot's and things like that so people can can find that information is there anything else that you wanted to say any other advice there is (laughs) (laughs) there's just like one last thing Mm. which is 
I think the rental sector is really old people are you know needing the rental they're they're needing the rental sector to sort of help them Mm. and I think an older person and a disabled person make great great tenants they don't want to move they're there forever they you know they love the area you know they've got they've been there a long time the community's part you know Mm. um and but it was about what do they want you know what do older people and 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 disabled people want and um i'm particularly i'm thinking of older people do they want a retirement home you know they don't always want a retirement they don't want to move from a beautiful house into a tiny what they call what my mother called the rabbit hutch you know you've got the facilities there that's great but actually do they want to move to a tiny dark two-bedroom flat you know it's the use having a big garden a lot of the retirement places don't have any garden or a tiny patio or something that maybe yeah 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 I had a client once who said um that gardening was her mental health you know she you know she couldn't do without having a garden No. just a little something yeah. you know and I, I think as landlords we need to be thinking about um renting properties to people throughout the lifespan I think we're, we're very a lot of pro, um property owners are really kind of just like oh I just rent to, to professionals young professionals or families that's all they can think about and actually thinking about their older community thinking about older individuals who want a property within the community I think absolutely I think it's a it's a really big thing to think about and targeting some of the properties that way as well yeah can make a lot of sense so yeah thank you Carol it's been great chatting to you today okay that's it (laughs) thanks Bye. Bye. bye bye